Welcome to our Call to Care, the podcast. Your business has a soul, it has real people and genuine people who, who care. We're unique, and we're unique in the way that we care for human connection. This is Anna. How the young people have uh, reacted to us sending them things like the SIM cards and care packages um, has been really sort of overwhelming. Um, one of well, a young person I sent um, a data package to and some other bits and bobs. He called me and he was sort of he was really sort of upset. You could tell he was really emotional and I sort of downplayed it a bit. I was like, you know, don't have to be. It's okay. Like you know, it's it's my job like I'm happy and he said you know no I don't have anyone here to do this for me and I think that really stuck out for me um as sort of saying how a lot of these young people feel um they don't have parents to send them care packages or friends particularly to do that for them um so when we're actually able to provide that sort of thing it I think it really does yeah it really means a lot to them Anna's role at the Red Cross includes running sessions for young refugees in London. Young people. Children from the age of 15. The technical term for them is unaccompanied minors. Yeah, what that means is uh, we support primarily young people who came here as children. So they arrived in the UK under 18 and they arrived unaccompanied. So without uh, any family, kind of friends in any kind of network. My first question to Anna was, having made London their new home, where do they live? Yeah, so uh, most young people will either be in foster care um, or in what's called semi-independent accommodation. So foster care, as you know, is where they'll be placed with a family that's you know considered to be able to cater for their needs. And then they could be in semi-independent, which is sort of where there'll be an adult on site all the time, but it'll be a different adult that's sort of roaming support. Mm. Um, and they'll have their own bedroom and a shared kind of living area and kitchen with other young people. Okay. And the groups that you run, a bit of a blunt question, what's the intention behind the groups that you run? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not definitely not a blunt question. Um, <laughs> the charity sector always needs to ask themselves that question. Right. Um the intention is to help young people develop what they need to live successfully in the UK. So that's not just um, developing skills. Um, skills is a massive focus of what we do, but it's also about developing friendships and developing kind of confidence um, and things like that. And this, giving them the sense that there can be a community here for them, which will support them. Mm. Um, because I think often that's what they feel so deeply the loss of. Mm. Um so as I say, we do kind of hard skills, um, so things like cooking and, um, you know, budgeting and, you know, learning about how banks work in the UK and things like mm. that. But we also do a lot of team sports, so football um, obviously comes up a lot, mm. <laughs> um, and music and drama um, and just activities which encourage friendships mm. and encourage them to kind of express themselves. Yeah, I, I guess these groups will end up being quite important for 
people. I'm trying to imagine myself landing somewhere, you know, especially as a young person, not knowing anybody, mm. not knowing how the system works, and not having any friends and having left behind pretty much everything I know. You must, they, they must be quite important, aren't they, these groups to people? Yeah, I think massively important. I mean, I was so surprised when I started just how many young people would come every single week and there's no there's no um force upon them to to come here mm. there's no one really checking on them um it's not like school where they have to attend yeah. um they've all chosen to take time out of their day to come and be with us um the young people who are able to go to college obviously like you know that is extremely important to them yeah. our projects are still important um but i think particularly for the young people we work with who aren't at college and yeah, would otherwise, you know, go days without seeing another young person, maybe of their age, mm. or, you know, um, maybe lack the confidence to be in college and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, for them, it's I think it's really important. Otherwise, they would be really, really isolated. Presumably, they've come because they really want to be here. I mean, get it, getting over here is not easy, is it? Mm. No, no. <laughs> Just, you know, glance at the papers and all that kind of stuff. You know, the Mm. images that we're used to seeing are, you know, dangerous boats crossing um, the channel over from France and stuff. But, you know, that's what we see. We don't ever see or hear the background and the reasons why people would be coming here. What's the kind of range of things that are drawing people to, to these shores? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great question. I think as as you touched on you sort of just see the idea of these boats coming across Mm. like it's one journey that boat ride or however it is they actually reach the physical the shores of the uk that's often sort of one percent of their total Mm. journey sometimes the journeys take years Mm. um um, really years yeah it can take years because you know it's really unfortunate but young people and adults can get stuck and be sort of trafficked um, and have to work um all kinds of the terrible things can go wrong on the journey. They can get ill. And we've mm. got young people who had to be hospitalised because, you know, they develop pneumonia and all kinds of consequences of travelling. Such a hard journey at such a young age. Mm. Things can go really wrong. Most young people we work with have at least some degree of trauma from their journey um, to huge amounts of trauma. Mm. In terms of why um, they come, I mean... But yes, war, persecution, um, yeah, the idea that they'll be safer, um, they'll be safer here, they'll be safer in Europe, that they'll be able to live freely and, you know, gain an education and all the things that they really value. Yeah. I mean, it must be a very powerful driver because if, they've, if they're arriving, as you say, unaccompanied, then they're leaving, if they still have parents, their parents their family, their friends, the whole kind of network that we're used to building Mm. up, to come from a country Mm. where the the strife warrants that kind of journey and endeavour, they've got to be, I mean, in in a way, they've got to be really determined people, haven't they, to have made it? Yeah, they are. They are really exceptional, really exceptional young people and, yeah, so so resilient um, Mm. in, in many ways and often it's kind of when they get to a place of safety and security that they really realise, you know, sometimes the weight of what's happened to them. Um, and 
you know, that causes a huge amount of, of trauma and upset. Mm. Um, not all of the unaccompanied minors have travelled the whole way unaccompanied. It's important to say right. some will have left with family members and been separated. Okay. A, a young person I know was separated from his father. He found out years later through family tracing, which is another thing the Red Cross does, that while he had made it to the UK, his father had ended up in Israel. Wow. Um, and they'd been... And it, that's not uncommon to be separated on, on the journey to Europe. Yeah. Where had they come from originally? Uh, that young person was from Ethiopia. Wow. And his dad ended up in Israel and he ended up here. Yeah. And it, you know, years without knowing where... That neither of them knew where the other was. Um, Gosh, that's extraordinary, so, isn't it? Yeah, extraordinary. It's... To have a safe place must be so important to them. Yeah, it def- Yeah, it really, really is. Um, and that's why, you know, we, we cook food together at the project. It's to create this kind of sense of being, you know, we can't ever replace their families, of course, and we obviously we wouldn't want to, but it's that sense that we care for them. Um, we want to support them. Um, and this is somewhere where they can relax and, you know, and be themselves, like maybe other young people would be with their families. Yeah. And they, they really look after each other. They really look after each other. Do they? Um, the young people. Yeah, there's a, you know, it's really quite common for a young person to turn up one evening with a young person that I've never seen before and sort of say, Anna, this person needs help. Wow. Um, which is such a compliment, I think, to the service that the Red Cross runs because it shows, obviously, that they feel like I and my colleagues will help them. Um, but they really, they really look after each other. Mm. So, Anna and her colleagues provide a really vital service. A safe and welcoming space for young people in a new and confusing home. Familiar faces, freshly cooked food, and more often than not, a game of football. Just normal things. And then COVID-19 comes along. Undeterred, and like many of us, Anna and her team at the Red Cross got together and adapted. They decided they had to find a way to maintain at least a version of their provision of care to the young refugees. And so they created a programme, a series of weekly video sessions at pretty much the same time as the physical meetings would have been. A great plan. But then, as Anna says, they had a nasty moment of realisation. There's no point running this amazing programme online if none of our young people... I think I actually said this in a meeting. What's the point of doing this amazing service if none of our... If the kind of young people who need us the most um, can't actually get there and can't take part? Um, Because young people who are in foster care often do have wi-fi because they're you know part of somebody's household it's the ones who yeah in accommodation that is less optimum Mm. um that often have the highest needs and you know i felt it it became quite stressful to the team that we weren't going to be able to reach some young people some young people we work with aren't um aren't currently sort of being looked after by local authorities by social workers um and they're, they're definitely the most vulnerable of all the young people we work with. Um, so some are homeless and have been put up in hotels during the um, mm. this situation. Others are in 
accommodation um you know meant for adults so it can be varying sort of uh optimum <laughs> levels um it can be a real shock for them um and some yeah are living places where they really really don't feel safe um mm. i think it's really important to say and for those young people um being able to give them access to the internet i think was probably the most important mm. they were the highest need as far as we're concerned mm. um very unideal um accommodation sure. situations but that again so a lot of young people will be living with um people who maybe don't speak their language they're not able to communicate with um they don't know them um often they don't have um because they're you know they're children they don't have independent skills um particularly so yeah that's you know that's really really difficult and a, such a huge problem for the young people we work with is is their mental health mm. um they have a lot of physical problems often after the journey here and what they've experienced in their country but mental health is a massive issue um yeah. Huge amounts of post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression. And it's hard because what we encourage the young people to do is develop sort of coping mechanisms for when they can't sleep. Um, you know, for when they're, you know, feeling very anxious or depressed. Um, but so many of these involve the internet, you know. It's yeah. sort of, oh, you can you can listen to music from your country or, mm. you know, you can call your friends or, you know, you can, you know... You, use meditation apps yeah um i think that was really hard for us to realize that they wouldn't be able to do any of that yeah um a lot of them had been using college um f to get wi-fi or going to libraries um and going to other public places they then suddenly didn't have them and yeah we really felt the impact of that just being stuck inside it sounds so trivial the need for internet but when you actually think about it for these young people, they use it to translate. They use it to communicate so they can communicate with people. Mm. Um, they use it, you know, a lot of them have problems sleeping. Sometimes they'll be on the internet kind of through the night because they're not able to sleep. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, to really kind of, yeah, learn about the world around them is completely crucial. Yeah, yeah. And college work. I mean, yeah, yeah. All, everything went online it's 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 a it's a lifeline to them being able to just get through a night or a day isn't it because they're because they are they're alone in a different way i suppose aren't they yeah and like i said so many of them are so motivated with college and things like that and they're aware of how much catching up they have to do in terms of learning english yeah. and that was causing a huge amount of stress that they were they knew they weren't keeping up with it um so, yeah, I think until you really understand how isolated some of these young people are, um, mm. you kind of appreciate how much they need the internet. And were you able to... Uh, were some of the people that we're talking about... Uh, were you able mm. to help some of these people with the phones and the airtime that Tesco Mobile gave you? Yeah, or? definitely. So um, I was so um, surprised, actually, because I just sent an email sort of into the ether um <laughs> i just decided to email tesco mobile and um yeah i was so surprised they were they came back um and you know were so so generous in what they gave specifically our service so just the london young refugee service mm. they gave us 110 sim cards um with 50 pounds of airtime on each so to cover three months um of usage which is was just 
huge. I mean, if you do the maths, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then I know that more widely, they've donated 300 mobile phones, so the phones themselves, and they've all been preloaded with £50 of credit. But in terms of the SIM cards, it was lovely because, you know, we immediately all started messaging our manager right. with sort of young people who needed them. Um and it was just lovely. It was really nice because it meant that they could actually join our groups again and the faces that we'd been missing on our video calls um, were able to be there. Wow, that's lovely. I actually, um, I have a, a thank you note about the SIM cards. Um, oh, really? A young person wrote to me. Um, he said he's happy to share it, so I could read that. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. one yeah. of our young people at the Camden Project. Oh, great. Um, I, won't, I won't use his name, but... He's he's a real he's a real star. He's okay. brilliant. Um, so he said, we are really happy to receive the SIM cards because it's going to help us a lot in this period of time. About me, I was using the college Wi-Fi to get online, and that option I don't have it anymore. We had many activities to do, but now we are not able to go out. We have to keep active and do our activities online instead, and the SIM cards help us to get online whenever we want. Thank you very much. Why do you think it's important to use things like, you mentioned drama and music. Mm-hmm. Why, why are those kind of things important for young people in the situation that they're in? Why are the arts important, do you think? Yeah, I think the reason arts and drama is so important is that um, fundamentally it's it's all about expression um, for young people and, you know, that's so important to them. Um, Young people, particularly young people that have been through so much and seen so much of the world, they have so much to say, um, but, you know, there are huge barriers to them expressing themselves, you know, um, being self-conscious about their level of English, for example, um, Many aren't used to being in a country where you can express yourself um, and criticise things. That's really uncomfortable for a lot of them. So being able to sort of say how they feel, say what their life is like through drama and something that's a little more indirect is really, really positive for them. These are also young people who aren't used to people asking their opinion a lot of the time. Um, And when they're able to work with theatres and music companies that sort of ask them for their input I think it's really really important for their sort of self-esteem and self-worth mm. um yeah the idea of sort of what do you want to say what sort of song do you want to write about um yeah it's, you really see them sort of flourish and become really engaged yeah. has has the work that you're doing changed the way has it made you more conscious of what care means has it influenced what you think care means um I think so I think I've always had a real sense that to care for someone isn't about just fulfilling their basic needs you know to care for someone is about caring for them as a person um and I think that's really reinforced, been reinforced to me um, from this job, you know, that on paper someone can have everything they need to succeed. But if they don't feel like anybody cares for them in terms of their emotional well-being, 
um you know little things little things like that um yeah it's really hard for them to feel looked after and to have that confidence to want to succeed mm. i have been really touched in this job by as i say how much the young people care for each other and how much um you know solidarity there is with each other you know you, you find young people for example who all speak arabic but they're actually from you know sudan syria um and iraq mm-hmm. but they're all talking they're all talking to each other they never would have normally met but they're helping each other translating for each other mm. um and yeah the young people who you know will tell me you know oh they don't want to ask you anna but they don't have somewhere to sleep okay. and they kind of all advocate for each other and really look after each other mm. um i have been really moved by that I'm sure in this job and i think it's such a testament to who these young people are. Mm. If there's one thing you could change in the way that people think uh, and perceive young refugees, what would it be? I really would love people to know just how um, how much these young people want to work. They want to work, they want to gain an education and they really want to contribute. To They're so grateful mm to be here they want to contribute to society here mm. and um yeah i think there is this sort of conception that you know people come here you know for an easy life and you know they just want to stick to themselves and not contribute and that couldn't be further from the truth i think anyone who's ever worked with uh, refugees young refugees in particular they're some of the most motivated creative people um and they you know they like i said they they want to contribute they're very proud uh, people a lot of the time they want yeah. they've come here to make the most of the opportunities um and yeah they're you know they're they're full of respect and you know care for this country mm. um i think that's what i would like people to know you won't meet a more motivated um you know brilliant group of people mm. i really like the phrase you used earlier on as well when we were talking you said yeah that, that these are exceptional people and, you know, almost to, to, to do what most of them have had to do to get through some of the journeys that you described and even just make oh, it here. completely. I mean, that's kind of, that's like, that's an awesome achievement, isn't it? You know, at any age. It is. And, and, um, and I've, you know, something stands out for me, a, a young person who's uh, very cheeky, he, we took them to Wembley. Um, Wembley very kindly gave us tickets to an England game. Right. Um, late last year and he wanted to didn't want to come home with me I was taking them back to Lewisham he wanted to pop off to West London I said no you need to come back with me and it's not safe to go out you know to West London at night and he sort of he just gave me a look that said and he was like Anna I've come so far and I said you know and it really hit me I was like who am I yeah I did because it's my job and he it's not safe but in that moment it really hit me yeah, you know, <laughs> they they come here and they've already come so, so far. Um, they are very resilient, resourceful young people. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean they haven't been very badly damaged, but to even to get here is um, amazing. Well, listen, thanks ever so much for, for having this conversation. I'm sure you've changed a few perspectives. And thanks for the work you're doing. Oh, I'm thrilled you. that the... the the SIM cards have made a bit of a difference and hopefully the phones will too. So, but, but thank you so much for your time. 
Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I encourage everyone to check out Refugee Week um, online if you can. It's um, all over Twitter and things like that. Lots of great stuff going on. Here's to safety. Here's to care. And here's to human connection. If any listeners or you want to listen on Saturday as part of the Migration Matters yeah. Festival, um, a lot of the young people from my service and the theatre company that we've worked with before um, are releasing a kind of video of what they've been working on through okay. lockdown. So they've done something I think is amazing, which is uh, create sort of workshops all online and help young people to record their own performances. It's so creative and that's going to be released wow, on Saturday. Um, so I'd really encourage anyone who's listening or you know anyone who's interested to to look definitely up. definitely thank you Thanks. thanks for listening